Hey there, online family. Thanks so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We believe that the message you're about to hear is a powerful one. We believe that the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work. And we believe that through this message, you'll hear from Him today. So please enjoy. It is funny what you start, what you argue over. You're like, this is all about me. Which, I mean, I think that could take you into something more serious. But I do feel like this world, we like are taught like, as long as you're happy, as long as you get what you want, when really all marriage is, is serving. Are you willing to serve the other person? It's not actually about you. And I feel like that's the one thing when you do get married or when, when, you, when you start dating, you realize like, oh, I'm really selfish. And then you get married, oh, I'm really selfish. And then you have kids, oh my gosh, I'm really selfish. And it has, Jesus came to serve. So like, maybe we should serve. And- just to support that, I, I think the things that have helped our marriage the most is when we've put self needs aside to serve the other's needs, and then it becomes cyclical. You serve them, and out of that love and support, they feel to serve you and give you that love and support because what will oftentimes happen, selfishness will go, I'm not going to serve you. I'm not going to put your needs first. I'm going to put my needs first. And then they feel that, and then as a response, they go, well, I'm not going to put your needs first. I'm going to serve myself. And then it becomes this cycle of unhealthiness and then tension and strife and a wedge. And I, Yeah, and I feel like the enemy is so good because you're like, you get in an argument, and you're like, I'm just never going to talk to him ever again. Like, you just think those things. I'm, I'm never going to do this for you or whatever, but that's completely what the enemy wants you to do instead of just being like you know what I'm going to put this aside and I'm going to serve and you never criticize the things you pray for which to me when I like someone told me that you don't criticize the things you pray for so I'm like am I praying for my husband am I praying to like for him that he would have wisdom beyond his years am I praying that like the holy like sometimes I pray when there's something there's an issue that I feel really strongly about Instead of nagging, 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 dripping faucet, dripping faucet, sometimes I'm like, Lord, would you reveal to me how he sees that situation? Because I don't see it the same way he does. And vice versa. Holy Spirit, please talk to him. Tell him. And it's amazing. It's amazing when you're married to someone that loves Jesus. So often he'll come to me like, I was really, I missed it on that mark. Like, I was wrong. And so I'm really grateful for Jesus in our marriage. Which I do want to say I'm very aware that we haven't been married very long, that there's people in this room that you guys have been married before we were born. Um, But I think as Christians, I guess my hope is that we can all take something. I feel like if anyone got up here, we could take and glean from you guys. And so I'm just hoping that something resonates. Absolutely. Yeah. And we had a we had a guest speaker come in and speak at Hillsong College and he was speaking on the most basic thing of faith and he said, you know, some of you may be well versed in faith and the idea of faith and he said Some of you, I'm going to plant seeds that you've never heard for the first time. Some of you, I'm going to be watering the tree that has already been growing. And so, I mean, we've got an oak tree over here. Me and my wife, we're a little tiny baby tree right now, five years in. But to them, it may be watering today. But for us, it may be planting a new tree or just watering the tree that we have. So I'm excited to dive into this with you guys. Are you ready? You've already talked a little bit about it, but uh, what are some of the pillars that make up the beautiful marriage that you guys have? Well, I think, I think faith is a big one. 
Um, I think we like to take our kids on the journey. One of our like secret little weapons is when there's like discord in our house or our kids start fighting. I, I really am a big believer on having worship music playing in your home. Obviously, if like you're having an issue, don't just go blare it, but just having like inviting the Holy Spirit in, I think really does shift things. Yeah, we, um, we, you saw the photo of our family, uh, and I think we've shared a bit of our story uh, with you guys. I know Sloan did last year, and I think I might have uh, spoken to it in, in my message, but we had a, a really bad accident um, when Sloan was pregnant with Jude, our first. Um, she, we were in Australia. I was studying my master's degree. She went to visit her sister who's a track athlete at Liberty in Virginia. And in the course of flying to um, see her sister, they were in North Carolina at the airport in Charlotte, and she passed out. Uh, you were five weeks pregnant? Passes out in the airport, falls flat on her face, like lands right on her chin. Long story, um, they find out her jaw's broken in three places. Uh, while she's still in America, I'm in Australia. I get a phone call in the middle of the night from her dad saying, hey, Sloan's been in an accident. We're trying to figure out what it is. We're going to check on the baby. Uh, you know, all this, you know, li life happens, you know, tough things happen. Um, we experience trouble in the world. And we are going through this process, you know, thousands of miles apart and it's extremely difficult and to, to support what you're saying. The one thing that helped me through that time is I just had worship music on in the house nonstop. And one of the things that we have seen modeled from her mom, from her family, um, and something that we always have had as a pillar is, is worship. Um, because there's something powerful about uh, worshiping the name Jesus. And that's why we start services with worship, right? Because it unites all of our focus on the most important thing, which is a person. His name's Jesus. And it fixes our eyes on him because he is greater than everything that we face and what we go through, like difficult situations. And I just remember that was the only thing that got me through. And we went through a very traumatic jaw surgery and uh, her majority of her pregnancy in America while I was uh, finishing up school and uh, work. And it was a big season. But worship, worship was a, a very important um, uh, factor in that. And in the car, uh, putting worship music in the car. Uh, who has young kids? Who has young kids? Yeah, it's like crazy chaoticness in the car, right? most of the time. You like get like a calm car ride and you're like, yes, like that was amazing. You know, we, we're like, please just sleep, like fall asleep in the car. But we, we put worship music on. We love like um, piano uh, worship songs. Like we'll do a lot of, um, a lot of like Hillsong piano renditions of songs. We just put it on just because it brings peace into our car. I also think a part of that is the words that we speak. I think I could preach for hours on it. It's kind of the only thing I really talk about. If, long story short, the Lord spoke the world into being. 
And so I think as Christians, we have a secret weapon and we are aware that our words have power. And so what are we speaking over our marriages? Like for us, we don't even talk about divorce. It's not an option. Um, it's not something that when we're in a fight, well, maybe what if this? No, no, we're gonna speak life. Um, if there's things, and I think there's that tension of like being insane and speaking something that isn't is. But I think as us, where I wanna speak, like when he's being, he's, I don't know. I just wanna speak life over our marriage. So I always wanna speak life over our children. So there's things like, little example, your kids at some point will probably go through a season of taking things. So my son, when he was like in his four-year-old class, he started taking little books home, which essentially is stealing. So you're trying to teach him, hey, like we don't take things from school unless your teacher gives it to you. But so we're, I'm gonna say, oh, you're, you're a thief. No, no, I'm not gonna speak to that. I'm gonna say, hey, Jude, we are integrous. We have character. We actually don't do that. Always speak to the positive. So if my son comes and lies to me about something, which every kid will lie and say, no, no, I didn't eat the chocolate, even though you see chocolate all around the mouth. I don't say, Jude, you're a liar. No, no, I'm gonna call him to what he is. I say, Jude, you are a truth teller. You are a truth teller. And I think it's the same for us when we're in arguments. I think there's ways to fight fair and not just say the things you're thinking, but speaking life over it and being like, hey, Blake, I married a man of character. That's who you are. I've seen it. I know it. Like, and so I think speaking life over your spouse, speaking life over your finances. I think for finances as well, you should speak to this, but like we believe in tithing. That's a huge part of our marriage. Um, it's important. I feel like if you don't understand tithing and it frustrates you, you hear it and you go, oh, they just want our money. Go listen to The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. It will revolutionize the way that you think about it. Yeah, the way I look at it is, uh, you know, two, two of our greatest resources, time and money, right? How do we spend them? And you look at that in relation to first fruits, okay? First fruits is a biblical principle that God talks about in the area of your finances. Give your first fruits. In the Bible, it was agriculture, you, which you'd be familiar with uh, being in Wisconsin. You give the first fruits of your crops. Well, in today's context in society, you give the first fruits of your finances, your wealth, which we make monetary money. And one thing that we never really had a disagreement on is we will give God the first fruits of our time and our money. And how does that look? Which was really easy because we made nothing when we first got married. Yes, that's true. I feel like if you start and you are actually bringing in like a lot of finance and you're like, oh my gosh, this is a lot of money. We started from nothing. It's going to be more of a fight for you if you're like, oh, we're bringing in this much money. 10%, that's a lot of money. For us, it was like, here's $10. It was really quite simple. But I think it's such so important. Yeah, so um, one thing for us is we said we're going to prioritize God with our wealth. We're going to put him first. And I, I think that's one uniting factor that always has to be fought for in, in, a, in a marriage. Uh, because uh, the leading cause of divorce in the first five years of marriage is finance. And one thing that just says, God, we put you first in our in our marriage and we put you first with our money is we're going to prioritize tithing to God's house. And the second one is we're going to prioritize our time. Um, we 
put God first. We always prioritize serving in the house of God, doing it together, bringing our kids to church, uh, even though it's difficult, even though it was hard getting out of the house, even though uh, it was chaotic and crazy trying to get them there. And we said, hey, we're going to prioritize bringing our kids in and making church fun. Right? We go do donuts after church. Right? You have a great day at church. We're going to go do donuts. Like We celebrate that. And, um, and also, I think, uh, as uh, depending on uh, how long you've been married, is the time that you give to each other. And um, going in a season right now of us having young kids, um, it will be different for those maybe that have older kids and grandkids. Um, we have realized our kids take a lot of our time, right? Uh, it's going to be focusing on them. And one thing that, you know, Sloan and I often talk about is uh, God comes first, she comes second, and then our kids come third. And you got to learn that priority value um, because if your kids take too much of the priority, um, it'll be at the cost and the expense of neglecting her. And we had to learn that balance. And I think it's really hard because you, like, get that baby and you're like, this is this is ours, and it becomes, the babies kind of come your priority. But I think what seasoned people have seen is that your kids grow up to high school, and then they're kind of out of the house, and you look at each other, and you don't even know each other anymore, and you don't like each other anymore, because everything has been focused on these children, which I think, yes, we are going to be great parents, but he is my priority. So I'm going to go on a date with you. Not that it's going to drain my finances. It's actually an investment into our future. And I want to continue to hear you and where your heart is and what you're passionate about and keep that at the forefront. Because one day we will become mother-in-laws and father-in-laws and maybe they'll come to our house, maybe they won't. But the reality is it doesn't actually matter because it's, it's us. We're the family. Come if you want. We're going to be really fun. But don't. You're making your own family. That's incredible. Okay, um, it's kind of like private. We haven't shared this even with our church. But I just felt while he was talking about tithing, I was like, I just think it's actually a really great story. And it has nothing to do with us. It's actually how great Jesus is. Um, we kind of take tithing to like pretty far degree. <laughs> if this isn't what is required of you, but it's kind of easy to give Jesus what is his when you view everything as his. And so um, t two years ago, I think it is, about two years ago, we refinanced our house. Maybe it was three years ago. We refinanced our house, and we got $30,000. And to us, I mean, that is a lot of money for us. That was huge. And we were just like, yeah, we're tithing that. So we had a big church thing that was a, like a love offer, a church um, initiative that we were going to have vision for. And so for us, it was like, what are we going to pray about? What are we going to give? And we're like, you know what? We're going to tithe that. We're going to give $3,000 to church for this Vision Sunday love offering thing, which to us was the most we had ever given to our church. And to me, I don't really care what the initiative is. To me, I'm like, I'm just giving it to Jesus. We'll see. Wherever that money goes, I don't really care. It's not about that for me. For me, it's I'm giving what is his to him. And out of nowhere, if you know, we were in Phoenix and we moved to California and we didn't know anything about that when we gave that $3,000.
And it was the goodness of God that we got to buy our house Valentine's Day of 2020 before COVID. So when the housing market was still low. And because of our job shift to California, we sold at the peak of the housing market in Phoenix of June 2022. And then the next few months, we had another Vision Sunday love offering type of moment. And we made a substantial amount of money from the sale of our house. And we looked at each other and we were like, we're going to tithe it. So we got to give six times the amount that we first gave that year, two years previous or a year previous. It was a year. The first one was three grand. The next time was six times that. And to me, I don't think that has anything to do with us. I just think that is a testimony of his faithfulness. We didn't play around with that at all. But in my mind, I heard this thing from Robert Morris. He talked about if, if Blake was going to go away for a season, and he told Jordan, Pastor Matt, and let's say Wes, the piano player, hey, I'm going away for a season. I'd like you to take care of my bride. I'm going to send you guys $10,000 a month. All I need is for you guys to make sure that I, Sloan, gets $1,000 every single month. And so Blake goes away, and he sends $10,000 to Matt, $10,000 to Jordan, $10,000 to Wes every single month. And a few months later, he calls and says, hey, have you been sending money to my bride? Have you been taking care of her? And Matt goes, oh, 100%. I've been sending her $5,000 or $3,000. I just really want to make sure that she's cared for. And then he calls Jordan and he goes, Jordan, have you been sending the, the $1,000? And Jordan goes, yep, doing it. I'm sending that $1,000. And then he calls Wes, no offense, Wes, and goes, hey, have you been sending the money to my bride? And Wes goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I actually just kind of forgot. Some bills came up and I just thought I would use that $10,000, that $1,000 just for my things. What do you think Blake would do? Punch him. No, the reality is the money's not coming anymore. Why would you send it to Wes when he's unwilling to take care of his bride? I'm not sending you the $10,000 for you to send the $1,000. Now, Pastor Matt, you're sending $5,000. Oh, you can keep having the $10,000 and maybe here's a bit more because you are trustworthy with what I'm giving you. And Jordan, you've done exactly what I've asked you to do. Here, it keeps coming. It keeps coming. It keeps coming. And for me, when I heard that, I'm like, yeah, everything that I have is the Lord's. And so I will easily give up the 10%, if not more. I didn't have to tithe our house sale. You don't have to go back. You don't need to be freaking out about it right now. Like, oh my gosh, all the things. But I just think the Lord is really kind. And I think it's just a testimony of his goodness and his faithfulness. And he will take care of your house when you take care of his bride. So I don't know. This wasn't a tithing message, but I don't know why we no, just went 100%. there. No, I, I love it because I think it is a pillar of who you guys are. Um, the closer that we get to you, I feel like the more generous we get as well. These two are some of the most generous people. The closer you get to them, I'm sure the more generous you're going to be as well. So, yeah, thank you guys for leading the way, setting those examples, for speaking life over each other, for listening to worship music. And, I mean, one of the things that I admire a lot about you guys is how you do handle conflict. Um, and I would love to hear more about that because I think it could be valuable for valuable for everybody here. Um, but yeah, could, could you speak to that? Yeah, I, um, I, wanna, I wanted to at least resource you guys um, uh, something that you could take away. And I think it's applicable for uh, any stage of marriage. Uh, I think they have a slide. Um, it's called The Four Horsemen. 
uh, which is from, uh, obviously, uh, apocalyptic literature from Revelation. But Dr. John Gottman uh, developed this. And uh, there's tons of research on this. And this is actually, I think, really beneficial. Um, Dr. Gottman developed uh, kind of this progression of what will oftentimes happen in, um, in stages of conflict. And uh, what I would encourage you guys to do, uh, research this, Google this, do some reading on this. I don't want to go into too much detail, but I did want to resource you guys because conflict happens. And conflict's actually uh, vital uh, for a healthy marriage. Because if you don't have conflict, uh, you'll end up getting to the last stage, which uh, Dr. Gottman says this is a progressive stage that he has seen lead towards divorce within marriage. And the worst, obviously, when you avoid conflict altogether is getting to this final stage, which is stonewalling. Uh, He calls withdrawing to avoid conflict and convey disapproval, distance, and separation. And from his research in marriage and counseling uh, married couples. Um, One of the things that I found um, is uh, implementing some of these, uh, what what Gottman calls uh, anecdotes, which I think are really important for marriage. Um, The first one, to avoid criticism. And that criticism uh, verbally attacking the personality or character of your partner, right? Um, This is speaking in absolutes, right? He always gets me on that one. Absolutes, yes. You never do this. And he's like, not never. You always dot, 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 right? Because we want to dramatize. We want to make it seem worse than it is. And we also want to attack the personality and character. And uh, Dr. Uh, Gottman says... Do a gentle startup. Talk about your feelings using I statements and express a positive need. Again, reframing that instead of talking the negative, instead of speaking absolutes, taking personal responsibility, right? I'm going to speak on this here at the end, but what's the one thing that we saw that happened when Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the garden? Uh, They blamed Right? So one of the first forms of criticism is we'll start to blame the other person. Well, no. Why don't we take personal responsibility for ourselves, for our feelings? Uh, how many times? I, you always annoy me when you do da-da-da-da-da. Well, what if I took responsibility for my annoyance? Hey, honey, I want to let you know that I feel annoyed when this happens. It invites uh, conversation instead of accusation. Does that make sense? The next one, I love this one. Uh, Sloan does this so well. Uh, Build a culture of appreciation in your marriage, right? And one thing she said, how important prayer is. You never criticize what you pray for, right? Um, And a challenge for all of us because we never graduate from that, right? We can never graduate from praying more for our partner. Amen? Can I say something? I think something that my parents did really well. I think men, they like to feel like they are the provider of the family. And I think my parents, there was a season where my dad always was the provider, but then with business, you know, it takes its turns. And I feel like my mom as the teacher, she actually technically was making the money in a season of our marriage. Not ours, their marriage. But I feel like my mom was really great that whenever we'd go out to dinner, it was really small, but I picked up on it as a kid. She'd say, hey, everyone, thank daddy for dinner. 
And it wasn't a big deal. And I understand maybe my mom was the one that actually was, but I think it was just placing value on him. So we always would just go, hey, thanks daddy so much for taking us to dinner. And so it's something that I actually do now. Anytime we go out to dinner, I always make the kids, hey, thanks dad for taking us out to dinner. It's so special. It's so fun, isn't it guys? And just having that appreciation and knowing that I can set that value, that respect on him because I know that's something that he would really love to feel like he can contribute to. And um, I think through life, years, uh, things that we go through, we can lose that attitude of gratitude. You can take for granted, right? You could go, hey, I've let it slip over the weeks, months, years, but that can progress into something unhealthy. And I love building a culture of appreciation, reminding ourselves of our partner's positive qualities and find gratitude for positive actions and actually communicating that. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I came from the strong, silent type dad. Um, Another great book, if you want to take down, is um, How We Love. It's uh, a book about imprinting. Uh, We're all byproducts of our parents. uh, And the older that you get, the more you realize you're like them. Uh, You kind of, teenage years to 25, like, I'm never going to be like my parents. I'm not going to do anything they did. You're going to rebel. And no, that'll never be me. And then like 25 to 35, like, I'm exactly like them, right? And um, I, I just realized um, my dad, strong, silent type. Um, but that doesn't have to be me entirely either. Like I can work on it, right? One of the things I've learned about the human brain, it's neuroplastic, uh, which means it can change, right? Anyone ever made or broken a habit before? That means your brain can change. And One thing that uh, has brought value to our marriage is communication, of which I have to work on because I have to take responsibility for it and learning how to do that. Um, And one of the great things, and I'm going to speak on this uh, here at the end, is the importance of salvation in Jesus because Jesus has made you new. Uh, So, guys, you are not your dad's. Um, Maybe the negative qualities or the bad qualities, that doesn't have to be us anymore right? Because we can break hereditary curses because of the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus, of which we can plead over ourselves, over our wives, over our children, over our families, over our grandchildren. And um, I also think uh, blessing our families. Uh, uh, Parents in here that have kids and grandkids, if you haven't blessed your kids, bless them and do it regularly. I, I think that's a biblical, biblical component that we see throughout the entirety of Scripture. If you don't have parents that were Christians, find spiritual parents and ask them to bless you. And I think uh, forgiveness is a big key component of that. Um, if you haven't forgiven uh, your parents, uh, regardless of how great or not great they were, I think unforgiveness is a stronghold uh, that can uh, bind you and that can actually be a stronghold that stops you from being released into the freedom that that Christ has for you because who the sun sets free is free indeed, but unforgiveness can hold us back. But bless bless your, your marriage, bless your spouse, bless your kids, get that blessing from your parents if you haven't already. And again, if your parents... Um, aren't believers, get it from um, 
Get it from spiritual parents that you would have. Get it from, you know, Pastor Matt and Deb. Get it from pe- people that you might know in your church community. So um, that's a huge one. Uh, the last two, um, to fight defensiveness, this was a big one for me in my marriage uh, because I had to battle a lot of insecurities, a lot that stemmed from uh, how I gave and received love from that book, How We Love, a lot of imprinting that I received growing up from my upbringing. Uh, but I was very defensive, still battle that. I'd always defend, always, you know, you're in the wrong, always shift the blame, right? I'd always revert back to uh, what happened with Adam and Eve. And I had to learn to take responsibility. And I had to accept my partner's perspective and also, even if I wasn't in the wrong, offer an apology for any wrongdoing, right? Because uh, at the end of the day, you know, even if, even if you're not wrong, like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Like, hey, I'm sorry, right? And the pride in me, I'm not apologizing, right? The competition in me. Any competitive partners in the marriage? Any competitive partners, right? I'm not going to apologize, right? I'm not in the wrong. And I think the quicker you are to apologize, the quicker you are to move on, and the better it's going to be. And lastly, um, is, this, is this helpful? Is this all right? And the last one is physiological self-soothing, all right, and uh, some of us that might be um, a little hot-tempered, some of us that might have some anger in the marriage, again, it doesn't always have to be because um, uh, we can bury our past with Christ, and we can bury anger issues uh, with Christ, with His death, and we can raise to newness in His resurrection, which is the fruit of the Spirit, right? Galatians, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? And we got to develop that fruit as well. We got to cultivate it. But one of the things that I, I found very helpful, you feel it starting to get a little, a little boiling in the room. The fight's starting to get a little emotional. You're starting to maybe do some of the previous things. Sometimes it's best, take a break, spend that time doing something soothing and distracting. Go for a walk. Um, You know, Sloan will put worship music on and go into a room just to kind of break from it a little bit. Maybe go take a drive in the car. I know with younger kids, it's kind of difficult to do that. Not storming off, not stonewalling, I'm leaving. It's like, hey, I'm just going to take a break. I'm going to take a breather, and we're going to come back to this. Like Sloan was always, we got to deal with this right here, right now. And I'm actually the, the more emotional one, the more emotively driven one in the marriage. And I actually needed time and space to kind of let that simmer and let myself get emotionally lower so that I could handle the situation more logically. And I I found that was really helpful for us. I also feel like for me personally, like you don't always, you don't need to go to your friends or your parents or random people to talk about it. Like I don't really talk about a lot of issues to my people before I haven't like resolved it with him, except there sometimes are issues that maybe you've been circling around for 30 years. It might actually be really good just to go see a counselor, just to have some outside wisdom to say, I see your perspective, I see your perspective, let's work towards this. 
So I think, I think one thing for like, I think going to a counselor is great. I think for the older generation, it's really viewed as like a weakness. Whereas for us younger generation, it's kind of like a pride thing. Like, oh, I've got therapy. <laughs> I've got a counselor. But I think, I think come to your pastors and say, hey, there's, there's kind of a silly issue that we've been dealing with. Could you just listen and be the voice of reason on both sides? And then also you can go to Jesus about it. I find I will journal about things saying I'm, I'm hurt about this. Because anger is always a second emotion. You're not mad, you're sad. There's something else on top of that anger. There's, there's hurt. Because the, the reality is, I say things to him that I would never say to a stranger. I treat him in ways that I would never treat a stranger, which is actually really embarrassing. And I think everyone in this room would say, yeah, me too. I've, I've called names. I've said things. I've, I've tried to take his legs out from under him, you know. Um, and so I just feel like go to Jesus. I'll go to Jesus with my issues. And sometimes I write the response of what I think my Heavenly Father would say to me. And I think you'd be in awe of the perspective that just downloads from you from the Holy Spirit. Um, so, yeah. And one other thing, when we have an issue, this is my sentence, and I feel like it resolves a lot of things. I say, I can see how you feel, blah, 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 blah. Can you understand how I feel this way? And if he can say, I can, I can understand why you'd feel that, then our issue is usually resolved because I don't actually need you to agree with me. I just need you to understand where I'm coming from. And then we can work towards a healthier version. Yeah, and one more thing. Um, those that have been married longer than us have learned to work through this, but an awareness of self and a better awareness of your marriage partner, the better the marriage is going to be. So learn about your personality types. Learn about... Um, Love Languages, that's another, that's another great resource. There's a book uh, called Love Languages. So How We Love, Love Languages, and then uh, The Four Horsemen, which has a lot of great material that uh, would just resource you. More than, you know, this, you know, hour session that we could have that could equip you to read, to learn together, that actually help him be, be re really beneficial. But lo Love Languages is another, another great one. Um, if you're extroverted or introverted, uh, that's a huge one. Uh, sometimes you just need to be alone. And uh, as a partner, you have to recognize that. Like, I'm, I'm actually an extroverted introvert, so I love being around people, but it actually drains me. So I have to recognize, like, my tendency would be like, yes, like, I want to go out. Like, I want to I party. This is awesome. But I also have to recognize that I need time alone. And for, you know, people with young kids, um, you can actually get drained and depleted. Um, and you don't have that. And you got to learn those ebbs and flows and balances. Like, hey, I actually want to serve you and give you alone time, especially if you're introverted. Give you alone time. I'm going to take the kids. And vice versa. Hey, I'm going to let you go and maybe do something that you enjoy. I'm going to take the kids and, and work that into your schedule. Work that into your routine. I feel like we have to kind of wrap this up because he's going to preach. But I guess I just want to say your marriage is worth fighting for. I'm gonna cry. I am the fruit of my parents having a great marriage. 
I have seen it. And they have shifted like a generations down. And so if you're sitting in this room, and obviously there are actually biblical grounds for divorce. So if you are in a very abusive relationship, I think come talk to your pastors and they can shed some wisdom on it. So I don't want to just make a blanket statement. Um, but I think it's worth fighting for. I think the enemy is so good at saying your life would be better without her. Your life, you should just go find an out. But I think if you can fight for each other, it is just so worth it. I think there's blessing within marriage. I think um, your children will be grateful. And if you have gone through divorce, I think there's redemption. I think, you know, all those things. I think if you've walked through that, let's find health and wholeness. And maybe you're married again, and I love that. I love that you're married and you're going to commit to each other. Um, so I know that this is a very tender, a tender topic. Um, but I guess thanks for coming. Thanks for putting your marriage first, for loving each other, for, for putting in the hard work. It's, it's worth it. Um, so, yeah. You ready to preach? I am. Let's go. It's Come quick. On. Don't worry. It's only going to be 10, 15 minutes. Yes. But he has a word for you. Amen. Awesome. Amen. Hey, can we thank Jordan and Sloan? That was incredible. And, um, man, men, where would we be without our wives? Amen. I'm going to give you another opportunity to get some brownie points. Men, where would we be without our wives? Amen? There you go. Well done. Hey, I just want to bring um, a quick message uh, because I believe uh, God's word is powerful. And uh, one of the things uh, that is pivotal and a pillar in our marriage is God's word. And it is what continues to give us a strong foundation that we can stand on and keeps our marriage strong. Uh, both of us pursuing Jesus uh, separately and keeping us aligned and united together. So let me pray and then we're going to jump right into it. Father, I pray your blessings over uh, today already of what you have done. And God, I pray that you are ministering to the lives of people here today, marriages uh, new and some not so new. God, I just pray that we can take away something so that we can have a healthier, stronger marriage, so that we can see the fruitfulness of you working in our lives and that we can see blessing outpoured through our lives, leaving a legacy for the generations to come. I thank you for a refuge. I thank you for Pastor Matt and Deb. pray your blessings over this house. And God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that it is going to transform our lives. We love you in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. I have titled this message, uh, ironically, what Sloan finished on um, is fighting for your marriage. I've titled this message, At War. At War. So hopefully you can uh, take some notes down to take away with you. But uh, if you have a Bible, uh, if you brought a Bible, I don't know if you did, uh, or have it on your phone. Why don't you turn with me first? We're going to look at Genesis chapter 2 and the story of Adam and Eve. And we're going to start in verse 20b, 20b. Everybody there? 
you're not there, say, hold up. All right, I'm going to guess you're there. All right, uh, that, it's behind me on the screen. Awesome, that's why no one said not there. All right, verse 20b, for Adam, uh, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And uh, the Hebrew word companion here, um, we need our wives. We need our partners. They complement us. Um, they are our helpers. And it goes on to say, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of man, and he brought her to man. The man said, I want you to uh, highlight this or uh, write this down. The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, she was, for she was taken out of man. That is why man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So here, it's interesting, there is union together. There was unity together. There was companionship together. And out of that, uh, I find it interesting, it highlights they were naked and felt no shame, right? And uh, another understanding of shame is they felt no insecurity, right? So if we're familiar with the creation story, we jump into Genesis chapter 3, Literally, the next verse, and what actually takes place after Genesis chapter 2? Does anyone know? The fall, right? They get tempted by the serpent. Genesis chapter 3, summarizing the story, the serpent, the devil comes to deceive uh, man and woman. He deceives woman to eat the fruit that God told them not to eat, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And then the woman brought the fruit that she had eaten to man, her husband, and gave it to him, and he ate. And out of that, uh, disobedience took place and separation from God. And from there, it was interesting because it was where fear then was instituted, where there was no shame, there was no fear, there was community with God. Fear comes in. And then what happens? God comes looking for them in the cool of the day, and he says, where are you? And they said, we were naked, so we hid, and we were afraid. And that's where I believe um, one of the things that I spoke on is a repercussion of the fall of humanity is insecurity can creep its way in. One of the things that I believe brings conflict in marriage is just highlighting certain insecurities in ourselves. Fights come from insecurities. Strife comes from insecurities. Conflict comes from insecurities. Being at war comes from insecurities, right? If you look on a global scale, why wars break out, I believe it stems from levels of insecurity, right? Why do we defend borders? Because we want to keep them secure. And when we feel that we have to go to war with someone, it's because there is a level of insecurity. 
And I believe it's the same as seen from the fall in Genesis chapter 3 that the devil would want to use in our marriages to highlight insecurities, to draw wedges in our marriage, and ultimately bring disunity where God originally had unity. It goes on in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, some of the consequences of the fall. It says this, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, woman, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. Uh, uh, He says this is Satan. Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly. you uh, You will eat dust in all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbirth very severe. Sorry, women. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you, a consequence of the fall. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit of the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you through painful toil. You will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Jump with me now to... Ephesians chapter 6, and some might be familiar with this. Ephesians chapter 6 is spiritual warfare. Most of the times we've read it, we understand it as spiritual warfare. And I believe in order to save our marriages, to be at war in our marriages, we have to divert the war that might take place internally and actually shift the war to the place that it rightfully belongs. And I'm going to explain that here in a second. Ephesians chapter 6 in verse 10 to 13 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, But against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Interesting that Paul, in this letter, writes that our war is not against flesh and blood. When I was reading Genesis chapter 2, whenever God made Eve from Adam's rib, Adam says what? You are flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. And I think Paul's highlighting something here where we would use this scripture and go like, yes, I'm gonna you know, activate in spiritual warfare, which I do believe is what he is painting here, but there's something more that he's actually highlighting, and it comes from the previous chapter, because he talks about spiritual warfare, but at the beginning of chapter 6, 
and the end of chapter 5, he's actually talking about instructions for specifically marriages, and he's talking about Christian households. And I think he's actually highlighting here that strong families build strong church communities. He's saying here that we have to learn that the war that we fight is not with one another. And I want to encourage married couples here today. The war that you fight is not intended to be with each other. The war that we are intended to fight is with the devil. And marriage was instituted by God, and the first thing that the devil attacks is what? Driving disunity within the marriage that God had instituted. He had joined man and woman together. They became one flesh. And the one thing that the devil then wanted to do is drive a wedge between who they believed that they were made in the image of God and then drive a wedge in between themselves and their marriage. And that's what I believe the devil tries to do with godly marriages. So you have to understand, there is a war being waged for your marriage. The devil does not want your marriage to succeed. So when things happen, when we go through things, when we're having to fight for this marriage, understand that there are spiritual components that are taking place within our marriage. And I want to leave us with a few things that I think can help us wage war, be at war in our marriage, but fighting together against the devil. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14 to 19, Paul highlights the armor that we are to put on. The first, he says that we are to put on the belt of truth. And I want to encourage us in our marriages, let's build it on trust and truthfulness. One of the things that can drive a wedge that the enemy would want to destroy our marriages with is to have disunity through distrust. What we have to do is build our marriage on a foundation of truth. How do we build our marriage on a foundation of truth? Build it on the foundation of God's truth and build it on a foundation of honesty. We have to be vulnerable with one another. We have to be in a place where we communicate with one another because what does it do? It bonds us. It binds us. It joins us together. And we build it on a foundation of trust. That belt of truth. The second one Paul mentions is the breastplate of righteousness. And he's highlighting Roman military attire. The belt itself actually holds up the breastplate that the Roman soldier would wear. Because the breastplate was one of the most important components of the armor because it protected some of the most vital organs of the soldier. And the breastplate itself was quite heavy. And in order to hold up the breastplate, you needed a belt to hold up that weight. So interestingly enough, the truth, which is so important, that holds up what? The breastplate of righteousness. And the way I look at this is our God-given identity. One of the things that the devil wanted to destroy was Adam and Eve's God-given identity. Who they were in God. And interestingly, I think in our marriages, we have to reaffirm who we are in Christ. That we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And this is the thing. When you look at your spouse, at your partner, and you go, they are a child of God. It helps us value them more. 
when we look at ourselves as a child of God, as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it makes us value ourselves more. And in turn, having a healthy marriage. The third piece of armor that Paul highlights here is our feet fit with the gospel of peace. And I believe it's so important as believers and in a marriage to have a house of peace. That's something I think we value in our marriage is that when people come to our house, I want our house to be known for as being a house of peace. When somebody comes into our house, they go, hey, there's something different about this house. Why? Because our marriage is built on peace. And one of the things of strife, of war, one thing that the enemy would want to destroy is peace within the marriage. And hopefully we've given you guys some tools in order to continue to fight for that unity within the marriage. But one thing that we do as a family is we anoint our house with oil. We go in and we bless our house. We go in and we invite the Holy Spirit into our house, the spirit of peace, right? We invite the Prince of Peace into our house. We invite the Holy Spirit into our marriage, the Prince of Peace into our marriage. Why? Because it's what helps keep us united. Number four, the shield of faith. And one thing that was instituted from the fall was fear. They were afraid and they hid. And one thing that God has given all of us a portion of is faith. He gives us the gift of faith. And I think it's so important in our marriages that we have to bring faith into our marriage. One thing I always encourage and challenge myself on is what would it look like if I brought faith to this in my marriage? What would it look like if I brought faith to this situation? Maybe people that have gone through infertility, we have, through miscarriages, as hard as it might be, what would it look like if we continue to bring faith to this? What if in arguments and discord and confrontation, you talk to your partner and you say, what would it look like if we brought faith to this? You're believing financially for a situation to turn around. You're dealing with something that might be hard and some troubles, and you go, what would it look like if I brought faith to this? And what bringing faith looks like is bringing God's truth into the situation and saying, I'm going to believe his truth over my current situation, over my current circumstance. And it helps us overcome fear in our lives. It might be a bad doctor's report. It might be something that we're going through financially. It might be um, a relational issue. And it helps us continue to go forward into all that it is that God's called us into. Number five, the helmet of salvation. The second most important piece of armor that Paul talks about, the breastplate of righteousness that protects one of the primary organs that, uh, that secures life, that sustains life. The second is the helmet, the helmet which protects the head, which protects the brain, which sustains life. And I believe this, um, renewing our minds daily. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, don't be transformed to the ways of the world. Don't be conformed to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I think daily getting into God's word helps renew our minds in order to wage war against the devil, not against our partners, in order to have a godly marriage. And I think for us, having the helmet of salvation, I spoke on it uh, previously, we are not who we used to be. 
We have been buried and adopted the death of Christ and raised into newness of life with him and have been given resurrection power. And that can break hereditary curses. That can break old patterns of behavior. That can break old habits. That can break anything that might have been brought in from maybe your past, maybe things that we had gone through, maybe things that we had experienced, but we now have the blood of Christ, a new lineage, a new line, a new family that we are going to continue to build to build a new legacy in Jesus' name. The helmet of salvation, we put that on. I am a new creation. Turn to your partner and say, I am a new creation. We remind ourselves of that. I am a new creation. And you know what else is new? God's mercies every day. We got to put that on. I am a new creation, and God's mercies are new every day. And as we step into that, as we walk that out, as we remind ourselves of that daily, it helps continue to help us move forward. And lastly, as I invite the team to join me, is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And I believe Paul intentionally started with the belt of truth and ended equally with the same component, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And two things. I believe, one, the Word of God helps renew our minds. And secondly, I think we have a responsibility and an obligation to speak God's Word out of our mouth. James says that there is power in the tongue both blessing and cursing. And I believe that there's power that is able to be released through our mouths to bless our marriages. And as we speak God's word over ourselves, as we speak God's word over our marriage, as we speak God's word over our family, over our community, that it is powerful. It's powerful to help us stand firm. It's powerful to help us wage war. It's powerful to help us step into our God-given identity, to reestablish the order that God had set in Genesis chapter 2 that was stolen in Genesis chapter 3, to have a healthy marriage, to have a healthy family. So in the remaining minutes that we have, I'd like to invite Sloan up. As I've shared the Word of God to minister to us I want to take time to open up for us to have a ministry moment together um, and you guys to have together as married couples. Yeah, so um, I feel like this could be quite intimate, but I think if you guys are willing to do it, I feel like it could be a really special moment. And so we have a few questions that are going to come up on the screen, and this is what I'd like. I'd love for you guys to hold hands. I'd love for you guys to look at each other. And I would love for you guys to just go through these questions and be vulnerable because you don't know what could change, what could shift in this moment. So look in each other's eyes. If you're here by yourself or you're single, if you're single, I want you to write a letter to your future spouse of what you're believing for. And if your spouse isn't here, I would love for you to write some things down and maybe have this moment a little bit later. So I would just love for you guys to go through these questions. Be vulnerable, be real. You don't know what could shift, what could happen as a result of this. So we're going to give you five minutes to do that. Oh, yeah, just put all the questions up if you can. So the questions are, what do you love about your spouse? What are some things that you love? The next question that we're going to talk about is, what are the areas that you want to focus on in the next year? Where can we get better? And the third thing is, is I would love for you guys 
to maybe tell this, your spouse maybe something that has hurt you or ask for forgiveness for an area. And I think that's the moment right there, that asking for forgiveness, being vulnerable with each other. I think things could shift and break and your marriage will be stronger as a result of it. So go ahead. Wasn't this good this morning? You know, this interaction that's happening right now, I believe it's a, a moment of intimacy as you communicate with your spouse, as you communicate with each other. But don't let this just end here. Let this continue. We do want to close this session this morning with a word of prayer to pray over marriages. So if we could all stand at this time. Uh, thank you, Blake and Sloan, for sharing so many valuable things. And I, I tell you, there's got to be at least five or six things you can take away from this today that I believe will have a transforming impact upon your marriages. And for those of you that are looking to go into a, a marriage relationship, a covenant relationship of marriage, these are, I would like to say ingredients, but they're, they're truths that can make a difference if you embrace them and if you live them out. Praise God. Let's join our faith together. Um, honey, you need to come up here because I have to. Okay, we do this way. I'm going to come down here. Heavenly Father, we are so very grateful for your mercy. And Father, let it cover all of us today. And Father, let your presence prevail in the areas where there has been issues that need to be addressed. Father, let this be a moment of beginning where you begin to break through and bring victory in the areas, Father, where couples have been challenged, where they can see, Father, the vision, the plan, and the purpose that you've designed for them in the name of Jesus. Father, we break for every stronghold. Father, we thank you for the love of God and the forgiveness to flow, Father, in this place even now. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father, for the greatest expression of love is demonstrated through forgiveness. In Jesus' name, we pray strength, Father, for every couple. We take authority over the attack of the enemy. We take authority over the lies. Father, let this day be a day that marks a new beginning as we move forward in the plan and the purpose that you've created us for and Father, for the covenant relationship of marriage. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. And I feel like there's somebody here that needs to forgive themselves before you can really forgive the other person. So right now, I just speak that. Speak forgiveness for yourself. Release yourself. And I thank you, God, that the word forgiving is just that, forgiving. It's forgiving to the one we love. And thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's a good word. And there's, there's a grace that you can embrace right now. Words of grace were spoken by Blake and Sloan today. And there's a grace of God that's here that you can embrace that can enable you to overcome in every area of conflict, in every issue that you're facing. So just receive that grace right now. Receive God's mercy. 
Jesus Christ is building his church, but he's also building your marriage. Declare that in your heart. Jesus, you are building this marriage, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, before we release you, we just want to let you know we'd like to give you an opportunity to express generosity towards uh, the Robinsons and, and this, this time together that they've invested in our lives. And there's a number of ways you can do that. Actually, you can designate. There's a place to designate for this weekend uh, for the offerings that are being received. And so you can do that. You can do it right now or uh, later this afternoon. But we want to be able to bless this couple. We want to be able to bless this team that is... Uh, taking this time to come all across the states to be with us. So thank you again so much for being with us. And again, Pastor Deb and I are available for you and uh, to really support you in your marriages. We want to see you succeed. We want to see you overcome. We want God to show up in your lives in a meaningful and significant way. So thanks for being here. You've made an investment today of your time. Let's take the next step. And let this time take root and bear fruit in your life, the things you've heard, the things you've embraced and received. Thank you so much. God bless you. Any closing words? Okay, she's done. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Refuge Official Podcast today. We hope that this message spoke to you in a very meaningful way and that you were able to connect with the Lord. And hey, if you made a decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today, we are first and foremost just so happy for you and we would love to get connected with you. So if you want to find some more of our content and find out how to get connected with us, feel free to check out our website at wearerefuge.net. Be blessed and have an amazing rest of your day.